Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you for pulling your chair up to the cool kids table, where on this podcast twice a week, I try to interview some really interesting people who are doing cool things in the world of business. Uh, If you tuned in to the last episode, uh, you know that uh, we had probably one of the coolest episodes. We had one of the founders of Ministry of Supply. If you have not heard the episode with Aman Advani, uh, immediately skip this episode, go back to 334 and listen to that because he gave the best answer in 334 episodes, about 300 interviews of what's the coolest thing you're doing in business right now. Uh, You need to go back and listen to his answer, but then immediately come back to this show because we found somebody just as cool for episode 335. So before we get started, hey, you know what? If you want to follow us on Twitter, go to at cool podcast. If you're a Facebook guy or a Facebook girl, you can go over to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. And if you'd like to join the group coaching program, check out what I have to offer at potentialmastermind.com. But the real request I have for you is will you please go over to iTunes and subscribe to the show and maybe even leave a review because when I get a review for the show, it just gets me all excited and tingly. So let's uh, make me have a happier day. Go review the show. So let's jump into today's uh, today's interview. So today's interview is a guy who I've seen around Austin for at least five or six years. I've, I feel like he's I've known him forever, but we're going to find out a little bit more about who he is and what he does. His name is Thomas Umstead, and he he helps authors become rich and famous. Now, why he hasn't helped me, I'm really not sure, but uh, I'd like to be rich and famous, but this is what he does. He is a consultant who helps people sort of grow their brands, and that's something that is so important in the world that we live in because you may or may not have noticed if you're an author or a consultant or a speaker or a podcaster, uh, there's a lot of noise out there, and there's a lot of competition. And what Thomas helps you do is rise yourself above all that noise. So, hey, Thomas, welcome to cool things entrepreneurs do. Thanks, Tom. It's exciting to be here at the cool kids table. It's my first time. Yeah, you know, I, nobody ever invited me in high school to the cool kids table, so I created my own right here on Podcastville. So there you go. I don't. I like, was homeschooled, so there was no cool kids table for me. Or, or there was. The <laughs> or there was. That's where your mom put the cool kids. That's right. So they were all special snowflakes. <laughs> absolutely. Well, now let's let's start with that for a second. I don't meet a lot of people because I'm 52 uh, almost. I don't meet a lot of people who are homeschooled. As you as you go down the the pecking order of age, it comes up a little bit more often. But what was it like to be homeschooled? So we were doing it in the early days when we were still hiding from the police. <laughs> uh, it was it wasn't illegal, but it wasn't lawful. It was in this uh, vague, ill-defined area. And even after it was made officially legal, it, people were still very nervous about it. And not all police officers knew that there was this thing called homeschooling. So they would, we were afraid they'd take us away or lock us up or take us to a public school, which was very scary for us. But uh, I will say it really helped me as an entrepreneur. I started my first businesses as a homeschool student. I started a, I taught web design. I taught a two semester long web design class as a 16 year old, which no one told me was weird. <laughs> I didn't have anyone around. You're like, that's not normal. And uh, so I got to learn how to do accounts receivable and payroll. I had an eBay business in high school and, that continued and I've never ended up getting a job for the man. I've always had my own 
business. I did take a, a short break and got a regular job, but for the most part, it's been me on my own. Well, it's interesting because I usually ask people, what was sort of your first job out of college? And you looked at me like, duh, I worked for myself. <laughs> like, didn't everybody? And, and well, so I, I graduated in 2008, which was not exactly the world's best job market. Well, that's, yeah, that's probably true. So did, did it make your relationship with your parents closer or was it like, my God, I can't get away from these people? <laughs> I had a great relationship. Uh, with my parents, and I still do, thankfully. Uh, my dad is also an entrepreneur, so I, I learn a lot from him, and I go to him regularly with questions. And uh, he's also my accountant, so oh, well, I get some free tax advice uh, over the uh, dinner table from time to time. Awesome. So why don't you tell everybody, you know, I don't really do long bios here. I sort of said that, that you help authors. But why don't you tell everybody what you do? I mean, what is your business? How do you pay the rent? So we have a couple of products uh, that are to help authors with WordPress websites make those websites more effective. Uh, one is a plugin called My Book Table, and it creates a bookstore and gives you search engine optimized book pages. And it's free. We have a free version. It's very popular and people use it all over the world. In fact, I had somebody from Japan uh, translating it into Japanese today, which is very exciting. Uh, so that that's a fun plugin, and it's uh, the um, number one. It's tied for number one most popular plugin for authors uh, on WordPress. So that's our bread and butter. And then we also have a plugin called My Book Progress, which helps you create a progress bar. It helps you grow your email list and grow your platform, so that when you do launch the book, you already have an audience of people ready uh, to read it. And then I also have a podcast, the Novel Marketing Podcast, which is to help authors. Uh, sell more books, but it's also for really anyone who's on a small marketing budget. <laughs> we talk a lot about uh, guerrilla techniques for getting the word out and selling more products. So one of the things I tell everybody is if you have a podcast, the best way to find podcast listeners is people who are already listening to podcasts. So can you repeat the name of your show? Because we have a lot of people who are on small, tight budgets when it comes to marketing, myself included, who probably need to listen to what it is you're doing. And Novel Marketing, um, and it's novelmarketing.com, or you just search in any of the uh, podcast stores uh, for Novel Marketing. Awesome, awesome. So you've been an entrepreneur forever. So what is it that you love about the life of working for yourself? You said you had a little stint with a job, so you know, you know what it's like working for somebody else. What do you love about working for yourself? I love the freedom that it gives me. Uh, having always had that freedom, and especially being homeschooled uh, with an entrepreneur dad, we would just go on vacations on off-peak months. So so much the, more affordable. You know, I had to take my kids to Europe in like July. It's like half price if you go in like April. Oh yeah, we went to Branson, Missouri in late October, and it was us and lots of like retirees. We were the only people within you know fifty years of our age there. It seemed, but everything I, was very cheap. I don't know that I'd ever take my kids to Branson, Missouri, but okay, whatever. <laughs> I get, I get the, I get the gist of it. Exciting homeschool fun in Branson, Missouri. But uh, yeah, the, <laughs> was, uh, the was that during the was that during the the time when you guys were studying Dolly Parton or or what? <laughs> Weird Al Yankovic, he's a comedian. It's, uh, we were learning about the, uh, you know, the Iron Curtain in the Soviet Union from a comedian who'd been there. But uh, yeah, so I got to see that freedom that he had, and I wanted that freedom for myself. And you know, there's a lot of cost to being an entrepreneur. It's not all roses and butterflies, but having your fate in your own hands, or at least more in your own hands, I, I really find appealing. So have there ever been times, I mean, you know, you've been, you know, over a decade now of out of college, is there, is there, has there ever been a time where you're like, yeah, job would actually be easier than sort of putting it all together myself? I mean, dad at the dinner table doing your taxes is one thing, but are there ever a time when you thought it'd be easier if I just had a career? 
I did. And for a time, I served as a marketing director for a marketing agency. And that was a lot of fun. I was getting paid every two weeks. What? The same amount. What? So weird. I haven't. <laughs> that had never happened in my entire life. I haven't seen that in nine years. That's so weird. Yeah. And so I was so used to saving money because when you're an entrepreneur, you know, money tends to come in in peaks and valleys. Chunks. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just saving it and saving it and saving it. Uh, because I kept waiting for like something bad to happen or some big cost, or I'd have to replace an employee or something. And, uh, so that was, that was nice. And that was uh, something I enjoyed, but ultimately the, the siren song of freedom and starting my own business and called again. And so I'm now doing my own thing once more. Now, one of the things you do to kind of promote your business is I know you speak at a lot of conferences and and you do a lot of stuff. So how does that tie in? Obviously, authors have to do that. But as a marketing consultant, you know, why are you out there as much as you are? I enjoy it, uh, for one, and it's one of my competitive advantages. So in the early days, my company built websites for authors. That was our primary source of revenue. And other people, other webmasters weren't teaching at conferences. That wasn't something they were comfortable doing. And so while they would pay for a booth at the writer's conference as a speaker, they would fly me out there and sometimes even pay me to give the talk on websites. And I would end up with most of the websites sold instead of the person at the booth. And so it was a very uh, competitive advantage for us. And it's something I really enjoyed. And I love connecting with people and teaching people. And I see websites as a way of serving. Um, authors you know, have the most effective websites when they serve people the best, whether that's making them laugh or educating them or making their life in some better way. And that's a very contrary view. A lot of people think their website should be, be all about them. And I just don't think that's the most effective way to do a website. So I'm kind of on a mission to see websites as service. And so that's another advantage of being on the road is that I get to kind of bring this gospel to people and say, hey, there's a new way, a different way of thinking of your website. But you also promote yourself in other areas because you recently spoke at a a conference called uh, Product Camp, which is product managers and product marketers. So do you do things for people in other markets besides just authors? I do. I consult with, um, you know, normal companies uh, from time to time. (laughs) Trust me, as an author speaker, I understand that I just got (laughs) I just got walloped into the abnormal company. bucket. So I understand. Yeah. It's, it's very nice, actually, because authors have such small budgets. Yes, <laughs> you know, yes, we do. Writing books is not, the, as you know, is not the most lucrative thing. Even yeah. if you're successful, you know, New York Times bestselling authors often still have to supplement their income if they want to put their kids through college. <laughs> uh, whereas a regular business, if it's even moderately successful, you know, the owners of the company have no trouble putting their children through college. So I always enjoy doing consulting for companies that have consistent income. And So is that why you speak at these other types of conferences and, and things like that? Or is it just to keep, keep yourself fresh on the edge of being able to speak a lot? So, uh, Part of it is just to give back. Um, I, I enjoy teaching people and, and, and giving back to the community. And I also enjoy the practice. Uh, so I, especially local, I'm not, I, I'm a little more picky the farther away from Austin, the talk. Yeah. Gets. I don't, I don't ever, I don't ever volunteer my speaking outside of Austin, but if it's inside of Austin, it's a nonprofit, I'll do it. So at this event where you spoke, there were, there were like 52 people who submitted for 25 spots and you were one of the people chosen. And then you took second place out of all the speakers. So, you know, what does that, what does that tell you about your abilities and everything else? It tells me I'm not as good as you because you got first place. Oh, is that, was that a leading question? What, 
Did I really just set that up? This is what we call jerk things entrepreneurs do. I just led you straight into that. Well, well, yes, I did take first place, didn't I, Thomas? Congratulations. But what's interesting is that we spoke at the same time. So no one uh, got to hear both of our talks. Oh, that's true. I didn't think about that. So so the, it's, it's a throwdown next time is what it is. That's right. <laughs> that's right. We'll have to see who is, is truly the best. So, Although I'm, I'm pretty sure you're going to win. They, so I, they love you there. Well, you had... I just I, I threw that out there mostly just for the laugh effect of that. But the truth of the matter is, is that I talked to people who were in your session and they said that, you know, you had this combination of content and the ability to connect with an audience. And this is what I try to teach people all the time when it comes to speaking is it's not just getting people think, oh, it's all about content. Well, no. I mean, there's there's two other things that come in. Content is one thing, but it used to be the only place you could get content was at a live event. Well, now the internet has taken that over. I mean, there's something like 400 billion podcasts created every hour. That, that's a made-up statistic, but you get my point. But uh, – you know, there's content everywhere. So now it's really the context. It's well, how does that content, how do I put that into practice in my life? And then the third component is you got to be good. There's a lot of people out there who think they're good speakers because we live in a polite society. So after their speech, people say, hey, good speech, great speech. And they think, well, I must be great because they just told me it was great. But the reality is, is that you are great because that's, you know, I've seen you do it before. And it's, it's that ability to sort of touch people on a level where they know you're there for them. Well, thank you. It's, how, it's something I enjoy. And how did you time, learn to do that is the question. So I was a part of speech and debate in high school. Believe it or yeah, not. Wait a minute. Don't... Wait a minute. In your kitchen. We called that <laughs> dinner in my family. Speech and so, debate was just dinner. So it's true. My family was a little weird this way. Whenever we'd have Chinese food, fortune cookies were called impromptu cookies. And you had to give a speech. It's like Toastmasters. Way. It was like table yeah, topics. Exactly like that. But we actually had a homeschool speech and debate club. Wait, back up a step. What a great idea if anybody's in a Toastmasters club and you're in charge, if you're the table topic master, go get a bag of, I'm going to do this next time. I go to my Toastmasters <laughs> going and volunteer to be the topic master. And you bring a bunch of fortune cookies and let people break it open and go. That's a, that's a genius idea. Yeah, another uh, genius idea that my dad had was uh, it's a little more intense than Toastmasters. We had you'd have a younger sibling with rubber bands, and every day, time you'd say um or ah, they get to shoot you with a rubber band. And it was quite effective motivation, especially so if no, it's a younger brother. No <laughs> verbal ticks at all. <laughs> Give it back to the the older brother. That's but right. uh, no, we actually helped start the first homeschool speech and debate uh, club, or one of the first ones here in Austin. That's still going today, and I go back every once in a while and teach the young kids who get younger and younger every year. <laughs> yeah. The, well, trust me, I'm 20 years older than you. I know how that works. Um, yeah. So here's, so here's the question then, if somebody's listening to this and, and you know, they want to start their own thing, they want to go out and, and be a consultant. They want to, they'd rather do that than what they're doing. What advice do you have for them? How does somebody become an entrepreneur if they weren't homeschooled and didn't have a dad to do their taxes for free? So, uh, the first thing you need to do is realize that you're not an entrepreneur right now and that it's a skill that you have to learn. So, And that being good at something doesn't make you an entrepreneur at doing that thing. Uh, being good at making pies doesn't make you good at running a business that makes pies. Sometimes the best people at running companies that make pies don't know how to make a pie themselves and realizing it's two totally separate skill sets. There's a great book I really like called E-Myth Revisited. I don't know if you're familiar with it. but oh, Of course. Three separate millionaire entrepreneurs recommended it to me on three separate days as I was at conferences. I was like, okay, okay, I'll, I'll read, read it. it. I, I get it. The universe keeps throwing this at me. I'll do it. <laughs> so I read it. I put it into practice and my business doubled in the next 12 months, putting into practice some of the principles of that book. And the most helpful was this org chart exercise where they say, create an org chart for your organization. 
of the ideal size of your business. And then put your name in all of the circles because at first you're a solopreneur and you are the guy. So you have your name in the accountant circle and you have your name in the you know customer support circle and the customer acquisition circle. And then you just kind of look at it as you grow and as you get stressed out and you're like, which of these circles, which of these job roles is causing me the most stress? And those are the ones you start to hire people. And what takes you from being a solopreneur to being an entrepreneur ultimately is having a team around you. And that is the real challenge because it means allowing other people to do things differently than you would do them yourself. And so uh, that's a bit of an adjustment. And that's probably the hardest thing for people who are going from solopreneurs to entrepreneurs is being able to see things in terms of we instead of things in terms of me. Mm-hmm. No, I think that makes I think that makes total sense. And that's really good advice. So I talk a lot about this gap that exists between potential and results. Because I think everybody gets so excited about their potential. They're starting a business. They've written a business plan. They they know how to make pies and they know how to run a business. And they read the E-Myth Revisited. And, you know, they, they, they've studied all this stuff. And it still doesn't mean they're going to get success because everybody thinks knowledge is power. I mean, knowledge is simply a set of potential, a setup for potential. But you have to take certain actions to get to the results. And so what do you think an entrepreneur has to do to get across that gap from potential to results? Well, the first thing they have to do is actually ship their product into the world. I feel like for a lot of entrepreneurs, and this is definitely true with authors, there's all of this potential, but you'll never see any of it until your book is actually on Amazon. Uh, But for entrepreneurs in more standard industries, I would say the biggest thing is learning how to work with the group, learning how to delegate. Once you learn how to delegate, your potential is no longer limited to what you're able to do as an individual. You can suddenly work through the hands of other people. And not only does that allow you to do more good, because businesses do good, because the only way someone's going to pay you is if you're making their life better in some way, but you're also creating jobs for people who wouldn't have a job otherwise. And you're able to do good by doing well, as Benjamin Franklin would say, and learning how to delegate. I I heard this, I think it was from John Maxwell. He has the five steps of delegation. First is I do and you watch. Second is I do and you help. Then you do and I help. And then you do and I watch. And then finally, you do and somebody else watches. Mm -hmm. And those steps, people often skip those steps. They, they get so stressed, they hire somebody and they're like, here, fix Go, this problem. Right. And they just tell me how it goes. And it's what's called delegation through abdication. And it always ends badly. Right. <laughs> right. To- yep. That that makes to- that makes total sense. Hey, I'm not gonna let you go yet. This is a great interview. We gotta ask you a bunch more questions. But first I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment training, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing real cool people like Thomas Umstead. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things because they have a special offer for the listeners of this show. So Thomas, I call this show... Cool things entrepreneurs do. What is the coolest thing you're doing in your business right now? So the biggest thing I've started getting into recently is creating online courses, which connects my desire to help authors and to teach authors with my desire to stay home with my wife and not travel so much. (laughs) (laughs) Do Uh, Do you have children? Uh, not yet, uh, but I'm recently married and, uh, it's, I'm finding that when I was a single man with, you know, nothing holding me down. And I traveled all over the world. I'd be in Hawaii, I'd be in Canada, I'd be in Scotland or Russia. And 
now I'm getting these invites. I'm like, I don't know if I want to go by myself. You know, like that doesn't sound. Now, does your wife have a job in the real world? Uh, she works with me. So oh, okay. when I can, I like to take her. I was going to say, she can just go with you. Yeah, I have a, a week-long speaking event in uh, Hawaii, and I'm going to be taking her with me. So, nice. I've never uh, spoken in Hawaii. You know, I've had the opportunity a couple times, and it hasn't worked out. And so that's on my bucket list. So for all the Hawaii listeners, I'm looking to come to a conference. So. <laughs> yeah, the biggest adjustment for me, like normally when you speak, you're supposed to you know dress at or above the, that of the audience. But in Hawaii, everyone is wearing Hawaiian t-shirts. And my first day speaking uh, there, because I've spoken there before, I was wearing this like suit and tie, and everyone was laughing oh, yeah, at me. Right, I was like, yeah. I need to adjust this. So anyway, get thee to a flowered shirt store. <laughs> yeah. By the, by the end of the week, I was wearing a Hawaiian shirt like everybody else. I'm awesome. like, I get it. I get it. I, I'll drink the Kool-Aid, but that was a great experience. Uh, but the, the courses are fun because I get to help people and I get to help more people than I would be able to see at a speaking event and nice. without all of the travel and cost. So have those courses released yet? Are they stuff still there in production? Yeah, some of them are released. Uh, one of them, it's the one that's been out uh, the longest is one on crowdfunding. I've helped a lot of authors crowdfund their books and other companies crowdfund products on Kickstarter, Indiegogo, and it's a step-by-step guide on how to do that, how to take your idea and raise money from the potential customers of your idea, which I really like as an entrepreneur because it allows you to test your idea to see if people are really willing to pay for it because <laughs> you may have a bad idea no one is going to tell you, but if people aren't willing to back your Kickstarter campaign, it may be an indication that you shouldn't spend all of those thousands of dollars to make the product in the first place. So if people want to find that product that already exists, where do they go? Authormedia.com and you just click on the tools and training in the menu. Nice, nice. Hey, I love to ask the people who come on the show who they admire, who's an entrepreneur. Because let's face it, we could talk about you all day, and some entrepreneurs are happy to do that. But I think the best entrepreneurs are observers. So I love to ask everybody who comes on the show, who do you see? And you think, well, they're doing it right. They're pretty cool. Yeah, these are people that almost became competitors of mine, the folks I'm really admiring right now. I went to a writer's conference last year, and everyone was wanting help with Amazon ads. And Amazon PPC, I was like, oh, this is the next big thing. And I almost started a business doing Amazon ads for authors. But I decided I just didn't have the bandwidth for it at the time. And there's a company that about the same time I had the idea actually launched their idea. And I have been checking them out, and I really like what they're doing. It's bookads.co. And uh, they charge, I think, $50 a month to manage your PPC campaign with Amazon ads targeting people searching for books similar to yours. Mm -hmm. And I was like, gosh, that is a really competitive price. And I was talking with their CEO. Uh, I was like, "Uh, are you able to make it work at this? (laughs) Are you sure you're not going to need to raise your prices? Um, But uh, I really admire what they're doing. And they're really serving a niche because to be good at PPC, you have to be able to read spreadsheets and look at data and numbers. And most authors, that makes little red splotches break out on their skin. And like pretty soon they're like wanting to drink alcohol and it just puts them in a destructive pattern. Have you, <laughs> so been, have you been watching my, have you been bugging my house? That sounds like what happens to me. <laughs> yeah. And so anything that takes that stress away from an author and helps them spend more time writing is uh, really exciting. Awesome. So the final question I ask everybody who comes on the show is, what do you do to give back to the greater good? Because I think as entrepreneurs, we really, we really have an obligation to do more than just make cash. I think we should leave our mark somehow. So what do you do? So I, I believe that business actually can contribute to the greater good, especially new businesses and um, small businesses, because they're often solving some problem that's not being solved at the time. And so one of the things I do to encourage that is I run the Austin Entrepreneurs Meetup Group, which is a free group where I basically teach whoever comes what I know about business. And I bring in other experts. When, it, have- when does this happen? I don't know about this. We have 3,000 members. We should totally get you to what? come speak to our group sometime. I should come learn. 
What? Yeah, we're we're in the in between venues at the moment, which is a little frustrating. But it's it's really fun to help connect people who are passionate about solving some problem in the world, and they want to do it with a business. They just don't have the skills that they need. Either they don't know how to acquire customers, or they don't know how to handle taxes or LLCs. And we have meetings and and we train them, and they get to meet each other. So it's great networking, and that's been a lot of fun to be a part of that these last uh, several years. And, and I just find that on Meetup.com. Yep, meetup.com, Austin Entrepreneurs. Well, who knew? Learn something yeah. new every single day. <laughs> Small hey, world. Hey, Thomas, thank you so much for coming on the show. Before I let you go, what's the one piece of advice we haven't given to people who are listening? What's the one thing you think everyone needs to know? I think to be willing to take risks. I know that you probably hear this a lot from entrepreneurs. <laughs> you probably hear this a lot on your show. But ultimately, it's only in that place where you're scared where you're really able to make the world a better place. If you're doing the safe thing, everyone else is probably already doing that safe thing and you're not going to make a difference. It's that moment when it's like, this might fail. That's when suddenly good starts to happen and where money starts to happen. It's the scary things that ultimately are the profitable things. You know, people aren't don't create fortunes by playing it safe. In fact, you can lose a fortune doing that. Hmm. Uh, so take, take strategic risks and be willing to put yourself out there. Uh, the world wants what you're offering. So if somebody wants what you're offering, how do they find you? Where does one find and get in touch with Thomas Umstead? So you can find our courses at authormedia.com. And then, you, of course, you can find our podcast at novelmarketing.com. Okay, that's great. Well, again, thank you so much for being here on the show. Thanks for having me. This is great fun. Hey, and for those of you who listen, I say it every episode. If it wasn't for the audience, we wouldn't have a show. So please come back in a couple of days because uh, we try to release this every Tuesday and Thursday. I'll be honest, we've missed like... 12 times in the last three and a half years. So odds are we will be here on a Tuesday or a Thursday with a brand new fresh episode with somebody just as cool as Thomas. I know you're thinking, how is that possible, Tom? How do you keep finding these guests that are this cool? But I keep finding them. So I will continue to do that. But uh, all seriously, uh, all seriousness, we are going to be back in a couple days. But in the meantime, I challenge you, go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>